0: Welcome in to uh, Friday's edition of the Longhorn Live Stream. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. We're going to talk a little football, a little recruiting, uh, as well as other topics. Uh, Big news this morning coming uh, from uh, Pete Thamel of ESPN. Pete Thamel reporting that talks of Texas joining, uh, Texas and Oklahoma joining the uh, SEC early are dead. Thirty minutes later, though. Pete was, uh, uh, I guess, I don't know, brought back to size or overreported. Uh y- Guy named uh, Brett McMurphy of the Action Network uh, reports that Texas and OU are not officially dead, but they are on life, su- life support or stalled. Uh, I immediately uh, texted a uh, high-ranking UT official. Uh, the word there was, it's all a big game of chicken. It's all about the money right now which goes to no surprise, uh, Texas, uh, OU, as well as the Big 12, and its its, uh, television partners, uh, ESPN and Fox, uh, are getting together and trying to work that out. It sounds like uh, Fox right now is trying to walk away and try to play the heavy hand. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I've got Jerry here and Ian to talk about that. Jerry, I want to start with you uh, and get to a question because I think this is fair uh, from Leon Phelps. Serious question I have right off the bat. Does the move to the SE being on hold for an extra year hurt incoming recruiting, Jerry? No,
1: I don't think it does because I don't think this will end up coming to fruition. Um, like you said, like who I, the source said, it's a big game of chicken. Fox wants more money. It'll get worked out. Um, no, but I don't think it does. Uh, I, I think it's well-established that Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. Um, it's also well-established that Sarkeesian's uh, – Looks like he's turning the corner. We're getting the eight wins this year. Arch Manning coming in, top three class, future draft picks. Things are headed in the right direction with Texas football. I don't think this will have any bearing. But ask me again if this actually does
0: happen. I just don't think it is. Ian, do you have anything you want to add to that?
2: I, I would wonder if it would hurt less with recruiting in the future because anyone they recruit from here on out knows they'll play in the SEC. But the guys That's that they cool. recruited, you know, a year – year two ago under the the premise that you'll play in the sec you'd wonder if it might hurt there but you know i i kind of don't think so i i think you you know kids join on for whatever reason but then there's inertia and they're not necessarily going to be like you know what this sucks i actually want to be playing in the sec i got to get out of here so i can get into that league that's yeah just- that's
0: what glenn keller kind of it, it, reader right now is kind of saying the same thing you are Ian, it, it would have hurt more in 23 than 24. Now it's kind of, uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, I Jerry, want to go to you because the other thing we're waiting on as well is uh, Warren Roberson, the safety out of Red Oak, was expected to announce his decision this morning at his high school at a press conference. Uh, but because of the inclement weather in the uh, Metroplex and school being canceled for the Red Oak ISD, he has now put that off until Tuesday. What's the latest on Warren Roberson Red Oak safety?
1: Yeah, it, it won't be USC. It's Texas or TCU. Uh, I think the last 16 hours have been positive for Texas. Um, I have an RPM for Texas. I don't plan on changing it. I, I think Texas is in a good position here. The biggest question I have with Warren, well, is he going to decide to sign early and release the news then just have a ceremony at Red Oak with his teammates on Tuesday? We'll see. Long way until Tuesday if you make a decision and send in your letter. We'll see what happens. But I, I like Texas chances uh, a great deal.
0: All right, we have a couple, couple more questions. Sorry, not a couple more. We have a lot, of lot to talk about the rest of the day. Really want you guys to join in, and uh, please feel free to uh, pop as many questions as you want to. We'll try to get to as many of them as we can uh, today as we go forward. I do want to say thank you to our sponsor, uh, and that is Andy Ludicky uh, of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO. And no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general. Call Andy. He will make he will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net or 404-973-9901. All right, uh, guys, we, we look at this and talk about it. Uh each and every week and, and month and, and all of this stuff, uh, the the whole SEC Big Twelve stuff, uh, is this actually could this be a blessing in disguise? If they wait until twenty twenty five, so that Steve Sarkeesian has another year to get ready for the for the SEC without the pain of having to recruit through the Big Twelve, uh, that that is that really did sting Texas for a couple couple of years there. I wouldn't
2: really think so. I mean, I look at the SEC landscape right now, and I think Texas wants to get in there sooner than later. I mean, you look at Nick Saban is struggling to staff his program. Uh, he look kind of looks like I mean, famous last words maybe, but they look like they're flailing a little bit. They look like they could be on their on the trajectory down. A and M, you know, they're I mean, maybe they'll be great next year, but you know, it's A and M. They kind of they're always stepping in it. Auburn starting over, LSU with Brank. To me, the league looks more open, uh, especially on the western side of things. You have Georgia over there in the east, but how often is Texas going to play Georgia? I would want to get you know, the SEC money rolling in, the SEC attention, the SEC schedule for the sake of the fans with the travel and the big games. I think all those things are big boosts for the program. The main thing you worry about is just getting pummeled every week, right? And I think Texas is basically already at a point as a program now where they – Probably don't have to worry about that. And if anything, the, the league looks potentially like you. This is a well, good time to win.
1: Yeah, so Bobby will probably want to read the tweet that Brett McMurphy just put out. But here's the thing I was going to say before that. I actually think the negotiation now is a huge positive for Texas and OU getting out early. I, I, I'm not going to be shocked. I mean, Bobby, are we sure it's going to stay 2024? Could it actually move up? I mean, I, to
0: 2023 it can't. I don't think it can move to 2023.
1: 2024, one more season. Yeah, because
0: the the, the schedule just came out this week. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that if you, if you want to. Um, Brett McMurphy, I'll read this for those of you not, uh, for you those of you listening to uh, this uh, uh, broadcast via podcast uh, from Brett McMurphy of the Action Network. Oklahoma, Texas, and the Big 12 reached exit agreement for OU and UT to leave Big 12 early and join SEC in 2024. Sources told Action Network HQ. However, ESPN and Fox, quote, not satisfied with overall deal. So that's why it hasn't been completed, source said. No specific deadline yet to get this done. So it looks like this is a, a battle of the network stars. <laughs> Going back to the old one. and as Fox Jerry wants makes- more
1: money. It's pretty simple. Fox wants more money. That's it. Get out, pay us more money. Texas and OU are playing in the SEC in 2024. But to your original question, I think it would have benefited Brett Venables if it didn't move till 2025, so he could That's build his sure. roster a little bit. Texas yeah. is better prepared right now uh, in 2024 than Oklahoma is, and Sarks a year ahead. Yeah, um, yeah, no
0: doubt. I, I, I feel like we're in that scenario right now. Of uh, this is it, it is what it what it was described to me. It's a big game of chicken. Yeah. You know, it's like, who's going to blink, uh, first. And, uh, I think the fact that Texas and OU, uh, have, uh, come up with their agreement, uh, that means, you know, it, 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 it is close. It's just got to get one more, uh, sign off, uh, of the desk. Uh, Jerry, when I ask you this question, uh, on, uh, uh recruiting, I heard a source say that they wouldn't be surprised if Deuce, Deuce Robinson signs with Texas. What do you feel about that, Jerry. I think it's such an interesting recruitment. Look,
1: um, Deuce has family in Dallas, family in the Austin area. The Texas uh, – the baseball-football combination is best at Texas. Um, The question is, what's this real MLB draft stock? I mean, he had the workout for the Dodgers. Um, I don't think that workout produced a ton of power off the bat, Um, as much power off the bat as kind of ideally wanted. Um, I think Georgia's is very interesting. Uh, obviously, the father's had a long-term relationship with Kirby Smart. Um, the thing I'm, I'm looking, is, looking for is, it, 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 is the Robinson family going to move somewhere? Could they move to the Atlanta area? Could they move to Texas? Um, if we start hearing about something like that, then that might push this recruitment one way or the other. Uh, but I think he's going to play college football for sure. It's just where it's going to be. I think Georgia, Texas – the USC really made a strong run with the in-home a couple of weeks ago and they've really hung around. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, I just don't know if USC is going to be able to overcome Georgia or Texas. Uh, but I'm looking for if there a piece of information comes out that the family's moving somewhere. I think that'll probably give us our answer.
0: Yeah. I, I, I feel like this is just what it is. I mean, we've said this uh, over and over. He's not signing right now. He's waiting. Uh, could possibly wait until he actually enrolls. Uh, in the summer. And, and uh, until we see anything further, uh, it's going to be, it is what it is. Uh, Ian, this one's for you. uh speaking with Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas. Ian from Manuel Posada, what's up with the Big 12 title? Will the top two schools record, record-wise still be the choices? And I believe that is the case. Uh, but what do you think about the Big 12 now that it's going to have 14 schools uh, and it's not a complete round robin?
2: Yeah. And it's not divisions either. Right. So it's just going to be the top two records, which is not really fair. Honestly, it's a bit, it's pretty unbalanced. Um, You kind of figure that, I don't know how the tiebreakers will work. I haven't looked them up, but they will probably be based on like playoff ranking, right? You're going to want to advance teams based on playoff ranking. So it's actually a good setup for Texas. They drew, they got an easy draw, um, it's frankly will be embarrassing if they're not in the top two next season. Uh, looking around the league, and the playoff ranking also, if that's if that's a factor in the tiebreaker, that would also stand to benefit Texas because as a big program with high level recruiting, they're t- going to tend to get the benefit of the doubt from the selection committee, uh, and as a big market school, so that's the best that I can reason. I haven't actually looked at the structure of the rules yet.
0: Jerry, do you think that that matters much?
1: Um, nah, I, I I don't. I mean, um, look, I, I gotta agree. I agree with you, And If Texas isn't the top two, I mean, eh, that something's mm-hmm. going wrong next year, yeah. right? Yeah, probably. I mean, th- this is this schedule's made for Texas. I think the whole schedule's made for Texas next year, trip to Alabama included. Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, look, I think it'd be better if they split it in the divisions, but here's the problem with that two teams are going to exit a year later, so they're going to restructure the league again. So why would you create something for a year, then restructure it again in two years? Just let this thing play out. Last year, Texas and OU were in the Big 12. Then you get your restructure. Got it.
0: All right, uh, another one. This one for uh, Ian uh, from Glenn Keller. Really excited to see what this offense does next year with the idea of using more wide receivers outside and Quinn getting back to what he's used to. used to. What do you think that looks like personnel-wise groupings? Ian?
2: Well, I think – we're still going to see a lot of 12 personnel. I think that's a big part of Sark's mm-hmm. DNA. They have Gunnar Helm. They have JT Sanders. I think they'll like to play Gunner Helm pretty often, but you know, one year over the next, they tend to lean more into one or the other. Like with Casey Thompson, I think they played a fair bit more 11 personnel than they played last year. Last year, they played a lot of the jumbo 12 personnel with the Andre Kerich like they charted that out against Alabama and they really used it quite a bit all year. Um, I think next year, the, they'll, they'll continue to use all the sets we've seen. They'll use two running backs at times. They'll play 11, they'll play 12. But I would think that 11 would be the dominant grouping. I would think that we would see Texas live in that set a lot more often, have more games like the Oklahoma State game where Quinn Ewers is throwing out of the spread 30, 40 times. That just seems like that's going to be where, you know, the bread is buttered for the offense next year. They don't have the star running backs. They have an extremely experienced line and a potentially very deep receiving core. And then, you know, Quinn Ewers in year two. So I think that that's where they'll want to emphasize. That's what they want to emphasize in the offense.
1: What, what do y'all think about, it? one, it gives you, it allows you to be more multiple, right? Harder to defend. But two, will Texas play a little more tempo next year? I mean, does that give them a chance to play a little more tempo at times next year uh, just because they could spread it out a little bit more and go quicker a year or two with a starting quarterback? Here's what I would team. say
0: to that, and I, I want to know Ian's thought and yours as well, Jerry. I don't necessarily like tempo when, you, when you're trying to protect your defense in this league. Right. I mean, that's what – that's what uh, no offense, that's what Mike Gundy has figured out. I mean, he'd go tempo maybe twice, three times a game, then he backs it off and, and right. sucks clock. I mean –
2: yeah, they still they still run a <laughs> he high,
0: sucks uh, clock. I want I want y'all to to hear that. By the way, that's that's a a new term, I guess. But he drains it right, and that's the idea.
2: Yeah, they still have a pretty high rate of plays, though. At uh, Oklahoma they're still like top ten, top twenty in the country. I like um, I like. It really depends on what you want to do as an offense. I don't. I definitely wouldn't have liked tempo very much for Texas last year.
1: That's Not at all.
2: But if you tempo with 11 personnel more this year, that allows you to move JT Sanders all over the place because he's very flexible. He can block reasonably well. They can run their spread concepts there um, in the run game with him. And uh, then he can flex out and play like X receiver if they want him to. They've already done that a lot. So I, I think that's yeah. kind of, I think JT Sanders might be their feature weapon next year and just kind of moving him around to exploit matchups. And if you're going to do that, then tempo is a, is a good ally because it just makes it very hard for the defense. They can't substitute to, uh, to make themselves protected against whichever, whichever way you're leaning on with uh, Sanders.
0: Is that the biggest benefit of going tempo, is the inability for a defense to substitute?
2: Yeah, that, I mean, that's what, I mean, he's not very popular now. It kind of ran its course, but Tom Herman did this very, very well particularly in uh, 2018 because Humphrey could move and play in a couple different spots in Beck, You know, they barely ever threw it to him, but he could line up all over the field. And so they were doing all kinds of stuff that generally just had the effect of getting LJ Humphrey open for Sam Ellinger. Right. But they were able to be extremely versatile and get into like a spread set where LJ Humphrey is matched up on linebacker one snap. And then maybe they pick up eight yards and it's third and one, and then they're hurrying to the line. And Sam Malinger is running quarterback power from a condensed power set. And you were just whipped either way because your defense wasn't flexible enough. 11 personnel with a flexible tight end in tempo is kind of the, it's kind of the ultimate weapon in offense. Uh, that's what the Patriots, when they could, that's what they were doing with Gronk to murder teams. But, it's not, if you don't have those pieces, then it, you're, you can be doing a lot of damage to your own cause.
0: Um, I, I look at it right now and I want to go back to recruiting slightly. Uh, our trivia question, uh, brought to you by last day hats is coming up next. I also want to get y'all to, uh, put some questions in, uh, to the queue so that we can get to those as quickly as possible. Uh, so please feel free to, to, uh, ask those, uh, and get those on to us. Um, I'm looking at recruiting right now, Jerry, and Texas is at 24 commitments. Uh, if they get Warren Roberson, that would put them at 25. Deuce Robinson would be a 26. You know, each and every year, you and I talk about this. I I, I always say, how many recruits are they going to take? Start at 25 and go down. And that happened again this year, in my opinion. Right? Yeah. The number is until proven otherwise, the number is 25. Because there's just so much uh, attrition uh, over the years. I even go back, and I was talking to you and Ian off air uh, when we went into this uh, earlier today. If you go back to the 2021 recruiting class for Texas, Hmm. there's already been, and that was the transition year uh, for uh, Steve Sarkeesian, there's already been a tremendous amount of attrition from that class. I think four of the top six players have already moved on. Yeah. Four of the top six ranked players in that class. Now, obviously, the majority of them were – well, I think all of them were uh, uh, Tom Herman signees or commitments at the time. Uh, but you, you look at it, and it's just – it's one of those things. Next year in 2024, I think they start at 25 and go down. Are there any specific needs in the class for this next group of recruits, Jerry?
1: I was, by the way, I was just looking at it. There's uh, been – nine of the signees have transferred out already nine out of that class, including Isaac Pearson, you know, your specialist, uh, 2024 needs. Look uh, the way this roster is being constructed, which is very, very impressive. You know, you need two top hundred national type D tackles and it, you know, is that the all? Names, Colin Simmons, there's some really good edge players nationally. You need to hit on a couple of those guys. I mean, If Texas does that, they're going to fill in the rest of the pieces. I'm just, I'm convinced of that. Um, And so if they can hit on those two positions, I think most Texas fans will say, well, it's successful class to start. I mean, but those are the two hardest positions to fill. There's a reason that Clemson and Georgia and Alabama and Ohio state have dominated college football. Just go look at their front seven guys drafted. I mean, it's make no mistake. And you know, you can mask offensive line deficiencies like Clemson did with great quarterback play, running back play, skill play around it and tight end play. You can't mask the defensive line to get to the level of George Alabama, Clemson, what Clemson was, Ohio State.
2: That's also why uh, it's also why Ohio State can't beat Michigan anymore. That's right. They don't have those defensive tackles anymore and Michigan just takes it to them two years in a row.
0: Yep. All right. Uh, let's get going for the uh, trivia question brought to you by Last Stand Hats. Uh, go, Please visit laststandhats.com forward slash Bobby 10 for 10% off of your uh, paraphernalia, including this cool hat right here. I really like this one with the like little hook'em logo. Little hook em logo. Uh, very neat. Last Stand Hats is a new sponsor of ours. Uh, please visit them. Okay. First person to get this question right and spell the name right. wins a free hat who is the last first round draft pick of the texas longhorns in football the last texas longhorn first round draft pick in football we'll wait for your answers Uh, jerry and and ian this is uh it's not a question that got either one of us or any of us when i when i posed it today uh but it's kind of disappointing how long it's been it's, it's crazy make- to think how
1: many more first round picks Texas basketball's had than Texas football <laughs> in the last decade. I mean, let's, let's just throw it out there. I mean, I haven't counted it up, and it may be considerable.
2: Isn't it strange, Jerry, that basketball's like the opposite of football? Where the hardest to get guys are like the guys that generally have the least impact on winning titles. Yeah. Like those big five star forwards that are one and done and off to the into the NBA. It'll actually generally help you win
1: that much. No, no. I mean, look, Weird. we're getting into a different discussion, but that's my issue with Arkansas and Duke this year. Five, six-man freshman recruiting classes are not the way to go in college basketball anymore. It's, you're too inexperienced. I mean, when I watched Texas and Arkansas in that exhibition game, and Texas beat them by 30 and could have beat them by 40 with all that talent and all those first-round guys, those highly ranked guys – I was like, this is not the way to go in college basketball anymore. It's just not.
2: Your basketball recruiting butts really didn't want to give that up, though, because it's more exciting to sell the five-star it is basketball recruiting story, even though, you know, it's, it's Villanova, it's Baylor, it's Virginia, it's Beard at Tech with yep. all seniors.
1: Yeah, w- when Coach K followed Calipari in the one and done, Jay Wright became the best program in college basketball doing it his way. Yeah, and I always thought that was interesting. If you look back on that, Coach K followed Cal to try to catch up with Cal, and in the meantime, Jay Wright became the best program
0: in college basketball for a decade. All right, I I hate to do this, Kirk Copeland. You actually answered first. Oh, what? You spelled his name wrong. Make him get the year too. (laughs) Therefore, it's Joel McWaters preaches sometimes wins (laughs) wins it. No, well, he, he didn't spell it right either. either. <laughs> he spelled it wrong. Wait a minute. Oh, wait. It goes all the way to David Williams. Oh, he good. spelled it right. All right. Yeah, David. All right. So it is Malcolm without the second L in Malcolm, right? Uh, that's how I always remembered it. Uh, Malcolm Brown. David Williams, if you'll email me at ontexasfootball at gmail.com, I'll make sure you get a, a – uh, University of Texas uh, hat from uh, laststandhats.com. They'll be happy to take care of you. They are a new sponsor of ours. Uh, really appreciate them uh, and uh, whatnot. By the way, those got, both those Malcolm Browns
1: being on campus at the same time did not help anybody knowing how to spell one's name. I mean, no. it would, but I think it just added the confusion because they were there at the same
0: time. All right. I'm going to give this to Kurt. He gets the next question answered because he spelled the name wrong. Okay. Let's let's make him uh, happier. Kurt Copeland asks, what is going to be the strength of the Texas defense next season? Ian?
2: I'm going to say the secondary. Me too. I think there's a chance that the defensive line is exceptional, but there's a chance that it's not. The secondary should be very, very good. They have three or four guys that can play man coverage at corner. One of them will probably play Nick Jedi Barron. They have Jaron Thompson is extremely experienced. I think I'm just going to keep saying this. I think Michael Taft sits a nice floor. Um, Our our guy, Paul Wadlington, has been a little bit worried about Texas's depth at safety. But I actually think they have a decent floor with Michael Taft. Um, And then you have the upside of Jalen Catalan. So, Jerry, it sounds like you agree. I
1: totally agree. The Texas secondary reminds me of a college basketball team now because they've had – They've had portal Ryan Watts, Portal Gavin Holmes, Portal Jalen Catalan. They've got experienced, talented guys coming into the program, along with talented high school guys. I think the staff has done a great job rebuilding the secondary. If you add Warren Roberson with Derek Williams, as freshman safeties, I mean, you got Gavin Holmes and Malik Muhammad. You got Terrence Brooks, right? Austin Jordan's a flexible guy, right? Jalen Gilbo comes back from injuries. Not he's out for the spring. He plays nickel. They've really done a good job building the secondary, and they've almost built it like a. We were just talking about a college basketball team with ta- with starters out of the portal and talented high school guys. So I think that I, I think secondary is going to be uh, the best position on the on the defense next year for sure.
0: Y'all both agree on secondary. Let me flip that. What's the weak point?
1: I would say outside backers. Outside backer slash edge. Due to inexperience.
2: If you if you want to label like the Jack as more of a true defensive lineman and then group the buck, the weak side guy with the Mike and the Will, then I think the linebackers are the weakest. Because the Buck spot is a big question mark. It's like Justice Finkley is probably the front runner right now. The Wills is a big question mark. Um, could be Mo Blackwell. It could be Anthony Hill. We don't really know. Obviously, Jalen Ford, I mean, he might be the best player on the defense. Yeah. But uh, the other two spots are huge question marks. So I, that's where I would go.
1: I, by the way, do we all agree Jare Bledsoe's play this spring is going to be maybe as impactful as anybody? Because he's just different from
0: anybody else they have if he really comes on. I, I you know, I, I get what you're saying, Jerry. I, I think that my take on that is i want to see what he is is he a defensive end is he going to end up being actually gaining some weight and move to the interior so he can almost be a a guy that plays inside and out uh like Mora Ojomo did for him this year right uh, of course Ojomo uh, is was a senior and really gained weight over time um i'm I'm interested in Ethan Burke and jamon tap too I mean I think whoever comes up, It's on the outside. I I think it's all that that is uh, on the defense, that and the linebacker position are the ones that, that are, are, you just don't know who's going to step up Uh, this time last year, we were hearing that JT standard Sanders was making that next step. right? Right. I mean, even before spring practice started, we were talking about some people really saying some nice things about him and how he was reshaping his body. It would be interesting if someone made that same type of step up, on defense at those outside positions and Ian, they need to happen and what do you think about the importance of someone like if not Bledsoe someone like Bledsoe stepping up
2: well I, I wrote this week I think it's really helpful if Bledsoe can back up Sorrell and then you can move everybody else to buck and then just pick the strongest guy to start um, and not have to worry about Finkley having to back him up or or, or whoever else but then I still don't know if any of those guys that buck are going to be an impact performer or not. So. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring twenties with new chapters added every week. The excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I don't know if Jerry Bledsoe can have the super mega impact unless either Finkley flips a switch because he's able to move positions or if they were able to, like, start Bledsoe and start him opposite Sorrell, which seems like maybe a bit of a long shot. But if they did that, that would be massive. Um, Otherwise, you know... Jerry, it seems like he's maybe like Bledsoe might be really, really good, but then he's a little bit log jammed with Sorrell at the same position.
0: Yeah. Um, All right. I want to say thank you to our sponsor one more time. That's Andy Ludicky at myperfectfranchise.net. Stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general. Call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership is not for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Um, let's go to a couple more questions uh, from folks here uh, that we've got. Starting with uh, Emmanuel Villafranco, what position will Texas Texas go after in the portal if the right caliber of player becomes available? DT, any other position? I I, I don't know that DT is is even expected at this point. Let, I'll, I'll take my my go at this one, Jerry and Ian. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be potentially uh, a potentially a, another defensive back, potentially a linebacker, and even with greater potential and to ranging to most likely running back. They need a big running back still because if Jaden Blue transfers or somebody else transfers. The youth at running back right now is not good. They have no big running back other than Cedric Baxter. Jonathan Brooks is okay size, but he's not a big guy. I could see them getting a fifth-year senior type uh, at running back and and going there as opposed to defensive tackle. If a blue-chip defensive tackle does arrive in the portal, I think Texas goes after him. I just doubt that the, the right guy goes in. Anybody agree or disagree with that? Agree 100%.
2: Yeah, and the I mean, there's we've seen a, a blue chip defensive tackle go into the portal, and they didn't choose Texas because it's not a very appealing place with uh, Sweat and Collins and Murphy and whatnot. Um, next year, it might be a little more appealing. So yeah, I would say I would say running back for the same reason. I think Buck, like if they could find that star weak side pass rusher, then I think Texas becomes like an enormous Vegas favorite to win the league. You add a dominant or just a good all big 12 caliber first or second team pass rusher to this defense. And they, they have so much going on back there. They're just going to be choking people out. Um, And nobody else in the league will have anything that strong. I I would think also the veteran linebacker, even if it's just a uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey type who helps you set a floor because I don't know what kind of floor is going to be set by like David Benda or a Mo Blackwell move, if Anthony Hill is not up for starting at will, then what do you do there? So maybe maybe that one.
0: Is, is that not something that Moe Blackwell can do?
2: Well, I, I feel like he's not a known – I mean, he might move to will and be a superstar, but I don't know that he's a known commodity. Like Tucker Dorsey, you had two to three years of film of him playing inside linebacker at an acceptable level. So somebody like that might be useful. Whereas, like, how many years of film do we have of anyone on Texas playing inside linebacker at an acceptable level? You know, we have Jalen Ford, maybe Jet Bush, and that's like that's it. Everybody else's film at that position is, there's it's just not there. So,
0: it's interesting. I, I was going back and thinking about what y'all said about the the secondary. Uh, the difference is, is every single position has a starter some with multiple years, Jaron Thompson, Jade Barron, Ryan Watts, Gavin Holmes, uh, Jalen Catalan, that's five. And then you have other guys like Terrence Brooks, who saw really played well uh, late in the year. Uh, Jalen Gilbo even had some starter minutes uh, early in the season. Uh, So you start, you know, it's interesting. I I don't know that they'll go for a corner. I do think that an edge, you know, I, I even neglected to say that because I, one hasn't appeared, you know, that's, it, it's almost like you get, you get beat down because of that. Um, I, I, by the
1: way, on the secondary, I think they have multiple, when's the last time you looked at the Texas secondary and said they have multiple guys who are probably going to be draft picks. It's been a while. Well, 2019, we thought that. Thought then, that. Yeah, yeah.
2: They all got hurt.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it's been, it's been a while though. I mean, corners and safeties.
0: Definitely
2: I mean, not
0: 2021. I yeah. Say that much. Yeah. All right. Uh, from King Me, who do you see, guys? Which guys do you see becoming the leaders in the locker room this year? Oh, better be Quinn on offense. Um, I think I think J T. Sanders. We talked about him. Kind of maybe filling that role because of his age and and uh, he's got a little something in his neck that sticks out a little bit. Jake Majors on the offensive line. Hopefully somebody like Kelvin Banks steps in. I think Banks. Problem. I think
1: Banks. I mean, I, I look at – on offense, I, I, it, needs to be, it needs to be Quinn and Banks. I mean, that's what it needs to be about. Defense, it needs to be Jalen Ford. And Jaron Thompson. And they, have, Jaren. they
2: have a lot of guys on defense, like Sweat, I think, will be a leader. Um, Ford, obviously. Jaron Thompson. Probably Taft, some behind the scenes. Maybe Watts. I mean, like you just said, they have all these veterans. They have guys that are smart and know the system. They should be really good on defense next year offense. Yeah. You're kind of looking at a bunch of young guys like, okay, who's going to figure this part of football out now.
0: Speaking with uh, Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton of inside Texas.com. Uh, I am Bobby Burton. We're trying to get through a few questions here. Please leave your questions in the uh, queue and we will get through them as quickly as possible. Um, Ian, this one's more for you, but I I know Jerry has a a feeling on it as well. From Jimmy S, outside of Texas, who do we think will be favored to win the Big 12 in 2023?
2: By Vegas or by the Big 12 media? Because there's usually a big discrepancy.
0: (laughs) I want to know who do you think will Uh, be favored.
2: Yeah, I will take, um, I think Kansas State will be up there. I was going to
0: say, that was your team this year. Kansas State was your team this year, right? And you picked them this past year? Uh, I don't know that I picked them. I I thought they were in the mix. Okay. I
2: did I did successfully short Baylor, which made up <laughs> for my losses betting against TCU as well.
1: Keep that. Keep shorting them.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, Gary's I, not
0: high on the Bears right now.
2: I think I will short Baylor and Te- and Oklahoma again. Um, yeah, the, the league looks pretty lousy, honestly. Agreed. Kansas State. I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked if Central Florida is in the mix in year one. They've got a couple of big transfers on the offensive line. They have uh, uh, John Rice davies at quarterback. They have um, –
1: They got speed. They got players. I think Gus Malzahn's made for the Big 12, too, in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah. I think they'll be – I think they'll be sturdy. TCU probably – I don't – I feel like they take a step back, but they do have – an enormous chunk of their defense back. So I think their floor is decent, but they may be like Baylor where, you know, they'll get six or seven wins, but I don't know if they can hit the, get the How, right
1: what, what did they lose on the offensive line? I they, don't have.
2: The interior is gone. Yeah. The outside is there. Um, and then Duggan is gone. Kendra Miller is gone. Uh, I believe Tate Barber is gone. Yeah. He's gone. Quentin Johnston is gone. So they are – I mean, it, it's Sonny Dykes, but then it's also Kendall Bryles, and that's kind of a weird uh, dynamic. You don't really know exactly how that's going to play out. Um, and they they tried multiple times to add a quarterback in the portal, probably because Chandler Morris has health concerns.
1: And he doesn't fit Kendall.
2: Yeah. He's like – you know, he's not that much bigger than me. And I, I can assure you I would not survive a Big 12 season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So um yeah they, they have a lot of question marks, but you, I wouldn't I'm not ruling them out, but I I don't know that they're a favorite.
1: Is this not the first time we don't even think about putting Oak State in there? I mean it's just like oh, this seems like that thing's they a they even disaster. have they even, even have, have a know Gundy will find a way to win seven games, but it's just like how many players do they have right now?
2: Yeah. I I think
1: they still might I still still think Gundy might
2: figure it out. Yeah. But it probably. They seem like a seven or eight win. Didn't you just say that? Yeah, seven seven
0: or eight. eight. I mean, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I I don't see that.
0: I'll just say this. I don't see
1: that. Derek Mason's a loss, too.
2: Yeah, yeah. Kansas, I think, might actually be in the mix. They got a lot of guys back. They have to replace, to our earlier conversation, they have to replace their entire D-line for better or for worse. That's kind of a big deal. But their secondary is very veteran. They have Jalen Daniels back. They got... Basically, Buffalo's offensive line transferred over. That's probably a plus. Um, there's a, I mean, it's just a lot of teams like that. It's just whichever ones have the right breaks are going to be the ones that stand out.
1: So what we're say, what we're all saying here is if this isn't Kansas State and Texas next year, something went wrong.
0: Yeah, I think I, the one team I would look out for that I, I feel is, is uh, on the rise that not many people are mentioning in that category would be uh, Texas Tech.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, I just feel like they they've got some skill guys. I think they've got enough talent on the roster. A future uh, and I think they'll be quarterback be well and Baron Morton, they'll be well coached. Yeah, I uh, think
2: they, I think Tech, Kansas State, and Texas are your three best bets. I, Iowa,
0: I I'm I'm in for Iowa State and BYU too, more so than Central Florida. Uh, so I'm just going to put that out there, and the reason I like Iowa State is they had no running back this year. If they can get just a running back, that's decent. They become a different team. Furthermore, I do like Hunter Deckers when he's not throwing the ball to the other team. I like I like
2: Deckers in Iowa State okay. I, I read that BYU was thinking about um, moving to more of the Utah style of defense this season. That means a lot of man coverage and blitzing. And uh, if
0: they don't have the guys for that. Yeah. You look
2: up and down the names on the roster of BYU and you don't see a lot of names that you would associate with man coverage. And they lost their quarterback to the NFL and their top two receivers. So I'm a little hesitant on BYU as a big 12 champion, maybe in a year or two, once they realize not to do that.
0: (laughs) All right. Another question. Assuming Quinn plays well next year, but is not so well that he is ready to go to the NFL. How does that affect Arch? I don't see Arch riding the bench for two years. Jerry?
1: I think if Ar- Quinn plays well next year, he's off to the NFL, so it w- won't matter. Um,
0: well enough. Even. So that's my answer. Well, my my huh? question is, well enough, right? I mean, because there is there is a level of difference. I mean, if he plays, they win nine, ten games, He, he he's – Throws sixty five percent. Is he gone? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Jerry's got too much. He's got too much talent that he's going to be. A, he's going to get drafted.
2: Yeah, I think, I think Jerry thing. is banking on the Ewers likely having a decision making that leans towards bet on the arm. Hundred I mean, percent. He's the guy that you know skipped a senior year of high school. So
0: yeah, I mean, he, true. I mean, he has this. You know. Well, well, look, look, my actions, look, not my words. Discussion. He's already done it, <laughs> right?
1: How, did, how does he? How does he not have a much better year next year? Somebody's gonna have to explain to me how he's second year starter. I think the biggest thing for him is is taking a leadership. But AD Mitchell gives him a throw it up to this back shoulder, and guy can make the play, which he didn't have last year. Uh, JT Sanders is a second year starting. Whittington. Is, is is coming back. Worthy's in his NFL contract year, so you're gonna get your best version of Worthy. John Tay Cook comes in, DeAndre Morse, reliable hands comes in. Savion Red, Brendan Thompson, sophomores, S- offensive lineback. How does he not have a better year? I mean, he's gonna have a better year. And the question is, is it gonna be a third round pick, a fourth round pick, or a fifth round pick? Yeah, you don't I don't think first. Yeah, do you you don't think I can go higher than third? Oh, I, well, I think he can. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I think if he has a big-time year, he, he could go in the first round. The NFL likes the guy more than Texas fans, I can tell you that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I could, I could almost see him having a sort of mediocre
2: year and still somebody still talking themselves into him in the first round. I think the
1: biggest thing with him in the NFL is showing leadership ability. I really think that's going to be big for him because he's going to have a better year than he did last year. Are you going to be step up into a leadership role which, remember, you know, the one I talked to a guy that was a really good college quarterback, has been a head coach, as an OC. He said, that kid missing his senior year really cut, set back his development in that regard. Because your senior year, no matter if you're the leader of the Southlake program as a sophomore or junior, your senior year is when you're the leader of the team, the school, the community. And you take a lot on your shoulders and you really learn how to lead. He said he missed that and he was up at Ohio State running scout team with no voice, no leadership. He said he thought that was big, a setback for him as a leader.
0: I, I think there's a number of different ways to look at Quinn's uh, development for next year. Leadership is certainly one. I want to see him uh, spread the ball around a little bit more. I, I felt like he got so locked in on Xavier Worthy at times last year that it just uh, maybe, maybe it was because he wasn't reacting well to the blitz. Uh, and that might be part of it. We know he got injured. I think that played a role. Uh, I think there's just a lot of meat left on the bone uh, for him to get better. I, I, I think, really do.
2: I don't think he knew the playbook yet, because when in that when they did the, a lot of the um, drills and the open practices, he did not look comfortable in their progression passing game. And when they uh, tried, when they had him throw a lot in games last year, a lot of times they would just have him read the weak side of the field, and it was like worthy to Sanders, worthy to Bijan with a quick, quick go into the check down of the running back pretty quickly. So I think that was a, a big part of his his problem overall last year was just not having a command of the full field and the full offense. And that's where I'm looking for him to, to grow in the spring and the fall. If he gets those things right. I don't know how far away he is from doing that. If he gets those things right, Texas will be unbeatable next year and he'll, he'll get a great grade.
0: All right. uh, From David Williams, has there been any information on some of the players that most need strength development and weight adjustments like Mo Blackwell, Xavier Worthy, Travell Johnson, Cam Williams, Brian Allen? If you have not seen the latest picture of Cam Williams, uh, you need a he looks like if he's still 350 pounds, I, I pity the guy that has to line up against him because he he looks like he's a fit. 350 pounds we hear anything on any of the other guys uh jerry or ian well i would i would dispute worthy
2: needing to be on the list isn't devontae smith like 170 and he's in the super bowl like worthy doesn't get injured yeah. really except for the tech game which was like an ankle thing
1: i think he's he's a physical player he's a physical
2: player it's just all the games now they're so protected out there i think he's fine um I don't know about anybody else. I would I have the same questions about Blackwell, Johnson, and Allen, I think, as as uh, David.
0: Well, Allen's issue going into the offseason, he he had got too big. Yeah. I mean he's a he's north of 210, uh closing in on two in between two ten and two fifteen, I think. And he he needs to be down around 190, 195 to play safety. Um and he had just gotten too big first year at Texas, probably first year not playing. Multiple sports, you know, getting three meals a day, all of that stuff you do when you're working out at 6 a.m. as opposed to getting up and going to class uh, immediately. Uh, but I uh, have not heard anything on Mo Blackwell or Travel Johnson at this point. Let's see if we have a couple more. We have time for a few more questions. About 15 more minutes uh, here uh, on uh, the Longhorn live stream. I'm Bobby Burton. We're with Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd. Uh, talking a little Longhorn football here. Let's see if I can't get this one going here. Jerry, you need evidence that he can learn a real pass progression. This goes back to what Ian was saying. Some QBs struggle with that long term. He memorized plays all year. That's from East 8. Jerry, I, you're, you're not, I think people will say just because you say one thing doesn't mean that you haven't seen proof otherwise. He did that. He did some of that in high school. Let's be clear. I mean, it's not like he's just a new, a new quarterback altogether. Does he need to show more of it? Yes. Is that you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Uh I agree with that. And but
1: I, I look, I don't think it was just him forcing the ball to Worthy last year, by the way. I don't think that just stopped at the feet of the quarterback. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. Um, so yeah, of course, that's part of growth of quarterback. Uh, and, and that's from year one to year two of college football. I mean, there aren't many guys that come into college football no matter how talented they are and can just read the field as a as a first year college starter. I mean, it's just that it's just very rare, right? I mean, this stuff does it's like it's like what Nathan O'Neill said about a pass rusher, right? I mean, it takes time. Um, but if anybody thinks that the throwing the, throwing the ball to worthy too much last year, just stopped at the feet of the quarterback, I think they're dead wrong. It's also in the Big 12, to your point, you got the three
2: safety defenses where they're moving all over the place, and the leverage is not as easy to read, especially when you don't have the benefit of a spread field like you had at South Lake Carroll. Yeah. Like uh, some of the things that he did that he was most effective at at South Lake Carroll were not in the playbook for Texas. Like uh, they were to spread everybody out find the matchup for uh, Samson or, or Boyd, uh, my, my not real nephew, and just let him, like, run a comeback into space, and he just hit him, like, way out. And he just didn't have those easy mode passes at Texas. So,
0: I... Hey, I've got to ask you guys, it's because this guy's asking us a question right now. Where was that photo? Who Did Texas football post that photo of Cam Williams? might have been in our
2: thread, our... our text thread so i believe where i saw it
0: yeah because he's right we didn't we don't have access to pics of them it would have come from the university of photographer um james oliver saying it. if we haven't seen if i haven't seen the latest picture of cam williams it's because it hasn't published it you're right james but they're not ours ours to publish i think it came from the university of texas uh uh one of either it was a video or that was a screen cap or an actual tweet of some sort. So uh, my apologies for saying that, but it got passed around. And suffice to say, he looks like a he looks like a grown a grown man uh, in in the the most thing. Um, all right, next one from a uh, GJ dog. Most important part of offense next season, I say it's getting Baxter going as a running back. I'm hearing you guys say it's more about Quinn taking the next step.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they they need to be all in on Quinn next year, and he needs to he needs to be worthy of it, and worthy needs to be worthy
0: of it. Well, this is my this is a fair question: Is Xavier worthy a true number one receiver, or is it Ad Mitchell that's the number one receiver?
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member of FDSE. Well,
1: well, I mean, A.D. Mitchell was
0: the number one receiver for Georgia. I think that's up right?
1: industry. What's that? Um, <clears throat> yeah he was
0: I think it's up to worthy
1: one. this spring to determine that.
2: I don't think worthy is a where is he on third down kind of guy if that's if that's what we mean by number one receiver um, unless may, i mean maybe if they alter his role in the offense, but I don't think he's that guy so if, if that's if that's how we're defining it, then no it's going it needs to be Sanders or it needs to be mitchell or a healthy nayor if it's like who's your most explosive playmaker then i think it could be or it could and maybe still should be worthy
0: i think i think when i think of a number 1 receiver i think of the guy that makes other teams worry yes that's that's what i'm talking about and xavier worthy i don't know that he showed enough this year to be worried about that much even though they they kind of doubled him often Yeah.
2: They they seem to be pretty worried worried.
0: about him. Yes. But, but there was nobody else to be worried about. I mean, in in fairness, I mean, you're going to double Casey Kane, you know, Jordan Whittington, how many times did he actually run deep that wasn't a crossing route? You know? Um, So that's what I'm talking about. Uh, Mario Guzman uh, question from him coming in. Uh, What game are y'all super excited about next season? Mine is the Houston game, being that I am a diehard UT fan, but also a U of H student. Uh, games for you guys that you're most excited about? Take take OU off the schedule. Uh, Don't you can't say OU here. That's illegal. That's the that's the gimme for any Texas fan. Go ahead, Ian. Well,
2: they have um, either maybe Kansas State at home. That's mine. Or at TCU, um, they actually they finished the year at home against Texas Tech, so I, I, it's probably it's got to be that one. I think they.
1: Yeah, I, I think after
2: to after the hammer on that game,
1: I think after Joey's celebration in Lubbock last year, I think yeah. uh, Texas Tech and Austin in, in the regular season's probably the one for most
0: Texas fans with I, probably a, a Big Twelve championship appearance on the line.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I. I I could agree with that. Nobody said Bama, huh? Well, I thought that one was obvious. Is it, though? I mean, you know, they're going to be a top five team. Right, Right. of course. Um, Texas may be ranked around 10 to start the year.
2: You think so? Week two, Alabama will be up there. I don't know about
0: deeper into the year. It depends on what quarterback comes on for them and who the heck's calling even calling plays for them, I think. Right? Yeah. I, I'm starting to think it will be Reese just from reading the tea leaves. Tommy Reese, the Notre Dame yeah. offense coordinator?
2: Yeah, yeah. Got it. Sure.
0: All right. Um, let's ask this one uh, from uh, David Williams again. Uh, I would like to see some wide receiver combinations of Whittington, Mitchell, and Nayor, provided he is healthy. Those three, along with Jatavian Seniors would be very good for Texas. That's certainly a different size matchup. Then, if you have worthy in that group, right? You did yeah. you see some kind of run game stuff in that, Ian?
2: Oh yeah, their uh, their um, duo stuff with you know LSU used to do things like that in uh, twenty nineteen. They would run the duo power stuff from eleven personnel. They had pretty big physical receivers. So they just pack them all up to the line like they were tight ends and run you over. And you were often in a you know a sub package. They could definitely do that. They did some of that last year anyways. I think I like that lineup if
1: Nayor can be a deep threat. I'm just thinking way outside the box on this, but if Nayor comes back healthy, Tay Cook has a good spring, Savion Red. I would love to see Jordan Whittington playing the Keelan Robinson role a little bit in the passing game. And you, you want to talk about being able to really mess with some people. You put Jordan Whittington in the Keelan Robinson role in the passing game with Mitchell and Nayor and Worthy and Sanders out there, you become a lot tougher to defend.
2: I like that a lot. I like that a lot.
0: I, I'm just going to say this. I like Jonathan Brooks in the passing game based on the Alamo Bowl. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that was not an easy touchdown catch that, and run that no. he made against uh, Washington, right. and he made it look a, a little easy. Um, all right. need to say thank you to our uh, uh, sponsor, Andy Ludicky. Uh, are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. It I did it myself. Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. We have time for a couple more questions. We appreciate you guys being here. We enjoy doing these, especially as the off season uh, comes around. It's something that uh, we get going. Uh, just to reiterate some things we talked about early, Warren Roberson expected to make his decision or announcement on Tuesday at Red Oak. Uh, his uh, decision was delayed because Red Oak High School and school district is out of school right now because this uh, ice storms going across the state of Texas. Deuce, Deuce Robinson, the tight end out of uh, uh, out of uh, Phoenix area, still not making up his mind. He is looking more and more like he could be waiting on a little bit of our major league baseball draft news, Georgia, USC, and Texas, the finalists there. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention that Texas goes to Kansas state in basketball tomorrow and to Kansas Uh, on big Monday. And then they turn around and play Kansas on Monday after our Monday evening on big Monday. So it's a two, a two game stop in the state of Kansas uh, there uh, for Texas as well. Um, Ian, Jerry, anything you guys are thinking about as we as, – as just opening it up to you guys about what you might want to talk about here as we have a few more minutes left. Well, the, the
1: Jordan Whittington thought, I, this is why I think Texas is going to be a lot better team next year. I think they have more versatility on offense and defense. With the secondary, the with, with the guys that have come in, the experience with that, with the talent with that, I just think you're going to see a more versatile football team next year. I think they're getting to that point with recruiting at the high school level and the portal level of um, uh, Steve Sarkisian and the staff, I think they've done a very good job. Um, you know, even a Jure Bledsoe, if he plays outside, um, you know, this spring and does that well, I think you're seeing more versatility within the program. And I think that's really when you can take a step um, and, and be tougher to defend offensively um, and be, look, and be better defensively too. I, I just think you're seeing things come together. And it'll be interesting to see how much of those versatility possibilities they put in the play because I think they've got more. I don't know what Ian thinks, but definitely more than two years ago. And I think substantially more than last year, too.
2: Yeah. I have some of that. Oh, a lot of that depends on what Ewers is ready to execute in the passing game. The more that he can do, I mean, they can get crazy. Like the Whittington is a flex running back, it's really nasty. Um, Brooks probably has some of that already under his plate. Sanders can move all over the place. They have a lot of depth. Um, I think they wanted to do some of this last year, and losing Nayor in fall camp hurt them because he was such a steady security blanket to make everything work. Um, I, I think something you're getting at is they have a really nice blend of veterans around the team and then really upside young guys that can, if any of them blossom, then you just have this extra punching power, you know, a little brass knuckles under the glove kind of deal. So
0: but yeah. Of everything really you fine. said today, Ian. Though of everything you said today, I'm taking back that edge comment that you had, you know, if Texas could find a real true edge guy in the, in the portal, how much of a difference maker that might be. Yeah. I, I, or or Finch res- for, so, for whatever reason that resonated with me simply because I it's, it's been so lacking, you know, it's been and so they hard. were pretty good without it this year,
2: you know, they were pretty good with a gofu who had one and a half sacks Hey, your future pass rushing position. Like, it, what if, if you just had like a, you know, five to six sack guy that is like pretty good at bothering the quarterback in that position with the rest of this defense, that's nasty.
0: You know, I where that matters, know. where that matters is when they play Texas Tech.
2: Yep. Probably I mean- maybe Alabama too. And, um, Uh,
0: You got to get those guys in bad down and distance situations. Otherwise, they're going to hunt and peck you to death. And it'll be fourth and one, third and two, third and three, all game long.
2: Well, you start to get a cumulative effect like Oklahoma when they had Benito, Isaiah Thomas, Jalen Redman, uh, uh, and the other guy. whose name I can't remember. None of them were necessarily like amazing in their own right. Maybe Bonito. But the fact that all four guys up front were hard to block just totally overwhelmed big 12 offensive lines. So the Texas might just be like one piece away there, Jerry. I cut you off.
1: Now, I also think, look, I think another part of this is is I think they're going to be really good on special teams next year, too. I think they're going to be better than they've been. I think your kicker's in year two. You've got a four-year starter punter, Keelan Robinson's, I think as a dynamic special teams player Xavier worthy in year two as a punt returner. He might take one to the house. Keelan Robinson was close to popping one. He'll get, he'll be the featured kick returner next year. But when you start adding these top five recruiting classes, back to back, you see it in special teams because those freshman kids are so fast and talented. And then I look at the offensive line. Look, It'll be interesting to see who makes the big jumps, but Cam Williams and Neto, those guys are so talented. DJ Campbell's so talented. Uh, You have all your offensive line pieces back, and they're not – all five aren't guaranteed to be starters next year. That's the key. I mean, they're not. You know left tackle is, you know Christian Jones starts somewhere, probably right tackle. But who comes on on the offensive line? I I, I think they're going to be – been on special teams and I think they're going to be the best they've been on the offensive line and and, and that's pretty good for Texas fans. All
0: right Uh, that's that's going to be it for us today thank you to our sponsors Andy Ludicky of myperfectfranchise.net and uh, the guys over at Last Stand Hats for 10% off of all your merchandise at Last Stand Hats including this cool little uh, hat I have here Uh, make sure you go Last Stand Hats and then uh, put the coupon code in Bobby10 All right, for Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of Inside Texas, I'm Bobby Burton, and this has been Friday's Longhorn Livestream. Thanks for joining us, guys.